From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our uh, faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And uh, this evening, taking a look at uh, what I think is just going to be a, a, a wonderful evening of discovery mm-hmm. as we uh, as we talk about Alzheimer's and and. Uh, how we can respond as family members, as friends. Just before the show, we were talking a little bit about uh, the effect upon caregivers. And I know this is going to touch uh, a lot of you out there this evening. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, before we do, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, this is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 301 A.D. Armenia. Fourteen years in prison has left Gregory pale and gaunt, but more committed to Christ than ever. At the same time, the king has grown bitter and mad because even though he has had many Christians tortured and killed, the gospel continues to spread. Despite all warnings, Gregory insists on a private audience with the king. After a scuffle and a long silence, two men emerge from the king's chambers as friends. In the weeks ahead, Armenia becomes the first country to legalize Christianity. The king's family is baptized, and the bold prisoner earns the name Gregory the Illuminator. Are you a Jesus freak? Go online to persecution.com. Just a reminder, friends, coming up at the end of March, March 31st, we're holding a, a really unique ceremony, uh, ceremony seminar here <laughs> in the Modesto. Similar. Yeah, it kind of mm-hmm. sounds the same, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the Modesto uh, area, and this is really on the heels of all the uh, wonderful uh, machinations of the state budget process. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're bringing the California Budget Project to Modesto. Uh, if you're familiar with that, this is a nonpartisan group that analyzes the state budget. How did we get to be where we are? Uh, what's happening? What are the ramifications of the budget? And more importantly, how are we going to live with uh, the effects of it in the future? Uh, two special ses- sessions, one beginning at 8 o'clock in the morning, or 7 o'clock in the morning, rather, 7 to 8.30. This is for pastors and uh, ministry leaders. This is from 7 to 8.30 in the morning. Again, that's March 31st. And then there's a next session for nonprofit leaders, and that's from uh, 9 o'clock to about 10 o'clock in the uh, the morning. And uh, again, this is invitation only. We'd like to have you RSVP so that we know that you're coming. Again, this will feature the California Budget Project. And then community leaders will be there to lead a discussion uh, regarding the ramifications of the state budget.
budget process and how we deal uh, with that ripple effect as uh, ministries, nonprofits, and churches in the area. If you're interested in attending that, again, that's March 31st, coming up very quickly. Very March quickly. is just whizzing sure. away there. Uh, March 31st, give us a call, ABC 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Or email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's info at vibrantcommunities.org. Let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way uh, Reading Works Adult Literacy Program. If you really want to make a difference, teach an adult to read. Do you know over, over 100,000 or 46% of Stanislaw County adults are in the two lowest levels of literacy and are considered functionally illiterate? Now, you can change a person's life and their future and their children's future, too, by opening doors through reading. Volunteers aged 16 years and older spend just a couple of hours per week increasing a student's basic reading skills, utilizing an easy-to-follow phonics-based curriculum. Reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, April 22nd from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., followed by a tutor training on Saturday, April 25th from 10 to 4. Both will be held at the Modesto Library Downstairs Auditorium. Volunteers are also needed to tutor students in math and to help out with GED preparation at the Drop-In Learning Center in Modesto. On-the-job training is provided at the center, and flexible volunteer hours are available Monday through Wednesday. Uh, You might want to use your creativity to help tell the story of an organization that supports the well-being of youth and families. Volunteers of all ages are needed to develop scrapbooks with pictures, media stories, events, program information, and lots more. Volunteers are asked to participate at least once a month, and flexible scheduling is available weekdays at the agency. All supplies are provided by the agency. This is the Center for Human Services. The Center for Human Services provides quality programs for focusing on youth, family, and community services in the areas of prevention, early intervention, treatment, parent, family, education, and counseling. Or you may just want to provide transportation services for mental health clients who are at risk of homelessness, incarceration, or hospitalization. Volunteers are needed to drive and accompany health mental health team clients from their homes and county vehicles to scheduled appointments, uh, including psychiatrists, counselor, case manager, group sessions, etc. cetera. Uh, drivers are required to stay on the premises during client appointments, sessions, and drive them back to their residence. Uh, again, flexible scheduling is available, and volunteers must have personal experience with mental health recovery, uh, be at least 18 years of age, pass a Department of Justice background check, possess a valid California driver's license, uh, print out and complete the county four-hour defensive driver's training course. This kind of uh, detailed, uh, you can, <laughs> Mr. Al can do that. The health mm-hmm. mental health team provides counseling, case management, and psychiatry services to clients with serious mental illness and diabetes or hypertension. So these might be some of the opportunities that you want to check out. And you can do so with Barbara Borbis. She's at 209-524-1307 extension 113, or you can email her at bborba at uastand.org. Or you can give us a call here, too, at AVC 209-544-9571. And on the AVC website, www.vibrantcommunities.org, 
you'll find as you scroll your way through the need for beds. And one size doesn't necessarily fit all, does it? <laughs> You've uh, got twin beds, which is the most common size needed, full size, which is standard, and queen. And we need dressers, sofas, household items. Just give us a call again, 209-544-9571. And the big it's funny what your mind does. You talking about, Are you, you talking about all of our minds? Well, not your mind, yours? my mind. Okay. You remember the, that old show called <laughs> The Monkeys? Yes. Every time you hey, do hey, the hey, thing about the... It, I think about that opening shot. Remember when they're wheeling the bed down the street? Yeah. The bedpost? Yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, there's our volunteers right there, you know, wheeling the bedpost, yeah. uh, the bed right down. It's just where my mind goes. You know, it's. <laughs> On the or maybe it's, it's already gone. gone. <laughs> I'm not sure. But anyway, seriously, we, we do have quite a uh, call for beds, you know, all, all twin beds, queen beds. Uh, just a, a major need. And, and by the way, friends, we stress this when you donate an item, Please make sure it's in the type of condition in which you would like to receive it. You know, there are a couple of times we go out there and, you know, the cats have kind of done their thing with the beds or the sofas or whatever. And, and friends, you know, this is, I mean, just think of it this way. If Jesus himself was at the door offering this piece of furniture, you know, would he offer what you have given? And so let's just kind of remember that. We want to give something that is in very good quality that can really bless someone and, and uh, help them. Absolutely, and we, we appreciate your donations. Uh, and you don't well. have to push the bed down the street with the monkeys. It's yes, just the it's, visual thing came to mind <laughs> with, with that. <laughs> I know I'll get cards and letters on that one. Uh, you I, probably I'm sure will. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, it is with great pleasure uh, tonight that we introduce our first-time victim. I mean, <laughs> 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 I guess that, would <laughs> that would be you, Bob. <laughs> Of Lighthouse Live, Bob Hopper of Pacifica, formerly Seasons of Modesto. And we can say that, right, Bob? Yes. Because most people would remember it as Seasons. As Seasons. Uh, mm. Located on McHenry Avenue no, in Modesto. We're actually on... Uh, I'm glad you straightened me yeah, out. we're on St. St. Paul's Way. St. Paul's Way. Right off of Oakdale Road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad different you different seasons. Different right seasons. by St. Paul's okay. Church. Right next door. But it's it's sort of like it faces McHenry, right? There's something to do with McHenry. No, that's a different place. A different place. Yeah, you call that place and they'll book parties and uh that's not what we do. <laughs> okay, but you I mean where you are located. Right off of Oakdale off. Road between Briggsmore and You know what? Just Mor- forget not, what I said. Uh-huh. Okay. Not I'm, near McHenry. We're in, we're in, uh, in the United McHenry. States in Modesto. But if you were one of the okay. monkeys pushing a bed down McHenry, <laughs> you'd have to make a left so that you could go to Oakdale. Uh-huh. You know, no wonder it. they bought me a GPS and stuck it around uh-huh. my neck. Okay. The address again, Bob, uh-huh. is? Uh, 2325. 2325. St. Paul's. St. Paul's. Way. Nowhere near. Nowhere near McHenry. Okay. Bob, welcome. Hi. We're so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be here. Bob is the current And those chair. people listening in Moscow right now are really, <laughs> Going, really confused about where Oakdale <laughs> Road is. They know it's not in Moscow. <laughs> Bob is the current chairperson for the STOAC meetings uh-huh. that take place uh, once a month at the Mancini Hall. And I do know where that's at hey. because I, I can get there. <laughs> and STOAC stands for Services to Older Adults Advisory Council. That's it. And uh, it's just a tremendous meeting that takes place. And it's not all old people that attend these, however. I go there. As I go there. We're <laughs> seniors. And, and, uh, well, I took care of that one. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but uh, many people gather once a month, Bob, and, and you want to explain why we gather together? 
Yes, and we do that in Modesto, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not near McHenry. That's right. Yes, yeah. Nowhere near. <laughs> it's it's uh, anyone that provides a service to older adults, uh, 60 and older. You don't have to be that age to be there, but um, any service whatsoever that could uh, that older adults could use. And these meetings have been going on for a years. lot of years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. I think uh, seven years, I think. I haven't been there that long. Well, you've been chairing the meetings for a couple. and doing a wonderful yeah. oh, job. It's just a lot of fun to attend. And uh, a couple of months ago, Bob, you did a presentation uh, on Alzheimer's. I did? You did? <laughs> <laughs> you forgot already. That's an just Alzheimer's kidding. joke. There. No. Yes, huh. <laughs> you do a lot of those. Huh. Because, well, first of all, let's tell what it is that you do at Pacifica because you do a great thing with the people there who – who have Alzheimer's. Yes, it's uh, Pacifica Senior Living, yes. and it's a, uh, a live-in community where folks that have some form of memory loss that cannot stay at home for one reason or another, uh, they need a place to be where they're safe, where they're cared for, and others can help them with their activities of daily living. Maybe they need help in the shower, getting dressed, uh, if they can't do those things for themselves, uh, feed them if necessary. Uh, they have incontinence issues, so it's a it's a community where they come in and live, and are well cared for. How big is this place, Bob? It's uh, the community can handle sixty three residents. So it's it's a moderate size. It's not big, but it's uh, it's moderate. And the staff nice. is kind of <coughs> fabulous <Yeah>. staff. <laughs> oh, we have an activity director there that keeps them uh, connected with each other. A lot of mental stimulation, which is essential for. To, to deal with this disease. Um, a lot of music, uh, most of them enjoy that. There are some that just don't care much for music at all. But to watch them come alive with mm-hmm. our activity director is just a marvelous thing. Well, you're on yeah. staff there. As, I'm on staff there. As the, yeah. uh, and I do music there, too, yes, yes, entertainment. Yes, we'll talk about that, too. Yeah. You're the community... Community relations director. And my job is to let people know that we're here in town <clears throat> and what we do and to find those who are having difficulties and don't know where to go and offer them an opportunity to come see what we do and how we can help. Bob, at the top here, let's talk a little bit about terminology because we were talking a little bit before. And oh, yeah. I found out something that I didn't know, which is not, not unusual. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about the terminology a little bit, uh, dementia as it's related to Alzheimer's. And, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what all those words mean and, and how they apply to what you're doing. Well, uh, I I often use an illustration. When you sneeze uh, and you ask for this little piece of paper, uh, somebody sneezes and, the, and they say, hand me a Kleenex. 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 Right. Uh, Kleenex is a brand of tissue. Mm. If someone were to say, uh, sneeze and say, anybody have a puff? <laughs> they they would look at you like, what do you want? The puff might mean something Sounds other. Sounds illegal. To it me, does to actually. me. Yeah. I, I want the puff with lotion, but that's a whole other yeah. thing. Or someone would just... Yes, right. Puff. Uh, so it's a brand. Kleenex is a brand. It is so common that now people ask for a Kleenex. Yes. Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. That word, dementia, means away from your mind. Literally, it means away from mind. Mm. Uh, you heard of people that are demented. Mm-hmm. Uh, that simply means they're not aware of a whole lot of things. Uh, there's 43 different forms of dementia. The most right. common is Alzheimer's. 
So when we talk, even tonight, when I when I'm thinking about this disease <clears throat> or this this dementia, I will also say Alzheimer's, but it might be some other form. But it's the most common one. Forty three different forty three different kinds wow. of dementia. Um, but everybody knows Alzheimer's. And by the way, it's Alzheimer, right? Right? Not Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's. Old timers. Old timers. Yeah, I have heard one. this so oh, many different ways. Yeah. And it's okay. I used to correct people and say, no, wait, wait, wait. It's not Alzheimer's. <laughs> it's Alzheimer's. But who cares, right? We know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> so um, that's the most common form. And uh, today, because is it because of our. The baby boomers are getting older. Uh, we, we see a rise in this, or I used uh, to know the answer. I forgot. There goes the first. I am a baby boomer. <laughs> um, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, it's it's on. Oh my goodness, it's on the increase. Uh, right now, there's about four and a half million uh, folks diagnosed in the United States with Alzheimer's. Four and a half wow. million, and this is 2009. I just did wrote down some statistics that in 2025. Now that's not that far away, right? Scott, <laughs> right. I know. In 2025, they're anticipating 34 million cases, and I'll I'll call it Alzheimer's because it's dementia, right? But we know what we're saying. 34 million cases of Alzheimer's, and by 2050, they're looking at 60 million cases. Diagnosed cases of Alzheimer's Good in the United grief, States, yeah. and lots of research is being uh, being done right now to find it. And the cause, Bob? Oh, it's a lot of things. Okay. Yeah, they they're not they don't pinpoint one specific thing. It could be genetic. It could be what we eat, what we breathe. It could be a lot of things. Uh, so research is is really moving forward with a a lot of. Uh, uh, focus on what can they do to retard the, the process, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe eliminate it. But I kind of doubt that. But and I imagine one of the challenges is educating the family members and getting some information into their hands that can help them through what is probably a very scary process. That's that's it. Folks really don't know what to do. Uh, they do their best. Uh, you have to give them credit for that. But in many cases, they just don't know what to do. They'll argue with mom or dad, try to convince them, try to reason with them. Uh, and in many, most cases, this disease process, there's no reasoning. There's no, you'll never win an argument with someone with Alzheimer's, ever. <laughs> What's the age, the average age, or do we know? What, what um, well, average, I don't know if there's an average, but 5 to 7% of the people over 65 are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm. <clears throat> so I'm not quite there yet. 50% of those over 85, that's, I mean, this, these are statistics. 50%. 50%. Wow. Now, statistics prove that statistics are wrong, but <laughs> this, is what they're, this is what they're looking at. Uh, 50% of folks over 85 are anticipated having Alzheimer's, some form of memory loss. Um, it's it's a terrible thing they have to deal with. And if you don't know how to deal with this, you need to know where to go. We we have seminars um, that we put on. Mm-hmm. I'll go out and do in-services to different uh, facilities and educate the public, uh, staff members at, at the facilities. We have a once-a-month educational seminar here in Modesto that we invite the public to. It's free. 
about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, depends on how long people can can be there. Uh, just to educate them on different aspects of this disease, from communication, how do you communicate with somebody with Alzheimer's, how do you take care of yourself, what kinds of activities could you do to keep them alert. Watching television is not an activity for someone with Alzheimer's, mm. <laughs> but it's what they often do. Yeah. So. I, I, would Im- <laughs> I would imagine that... Uh, that actually is is counterproductive, I, I, I would think, just in terms of as, as people are growing up, you know, there's very little stimulus going on, very little uh, thinking and, and rationalizing, and is just kind of a couch potato type. Yep. Even watching the even watching the monkeys push a bed down the yeah down the street is right. uh, it's humorous, but it's not a mental exercise. Bob, what would it be like? <laughs> really, what would it be like for someone to have? Alzheimer's. You know, I I often thought of that. So I thought of this illustration, and I've used this before. If I were to ask everyone, uh, don't do this yet, but just wait till I get to the end of what I'd like to see everyone do here, and then start. If I were to ask everyone to stand up, stretch your right hand, clap three times, sit down, stomp your left foot, say your name out loud, stand back up and raise your right hand, stomp your right foot, sit back down and turn around in your chair three times. Go. I don't remember what you said to do first. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I can say is that's got to be what it's like when you say, would you like mashed potatoes or would you like french fries? To them, I might as well have said, stand up, sit down, stretch your right hand. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't often, I'm speaking in generalities, yeah. but usually that's what it's like. I don't know what I want. Do I want, what was the first choice? Um, I see this every day. I've seen this for many years every day. And it's just a terrible thing that in many cases they just can't make choices. They can't make decisions. Early on, uh, as people begin to uh, manifest some of the some of the symptoms, a lot of anxiety going on with that as as they begin to to feel that wow I'm not quite as sharp as I used to be I'm not quite able to process there's a tremendous psychological um, impact there absolutely for the person and for the family members yeah. too but mm-hmm. I often think about the person themselves. Uh, if you if you no longer could figure out how to tie your shoes, mm-hmm. I mean, you're excited when you learn yeah. at whatever age you learn, and here you are, an adult that just can't figure out how these two pieces of shoelace go together. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big thing, and especially if you're aware of the fact that you're losing yeah. your sense yes. of of yes. reasoning. I, I see mm-hmm. that a lot too. Folks come in, uh, well, the children often come in. Uh, to um, uh, Pacifica Senior Living, <clears throat> formerly Seasons. <laughs> and every once in a while I want to say they come into Seasons, but it's the same fabulous company, it just changed names. Um, and they come in <clears throat> aware sometimes of what's happening to them in mild, you know, early early stages. And then they look around and see other folks in more advanced or middle stages uh, it must be very difficult for them thinking, I'm going to be like that someday. And not necessarily, doesn't mean they will, but they very well may. A lot and of psychological I've, issues. And probably a lot of denial uh, early on. Uh, by the family, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're not that bad. Oh, no, it's just the way they are. Mm-hmm. Mom's always been forgetful. 
yeah, they don't want to use that word, mm-hmm. it, Alzheimer's. As a finality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be when you heard the word cancer, you died. Right. That That's it. it it's, it's the nail on a coffin, right. and you're going to die. Right. Right. And look at it today. Now you, now you have cancer, and you say, well, how am I going to treat this? Right, there's treatment. Yeah. There's something that can be done. Yeah, and survivors. Yes, exactly. And maybe in the near future, there may be people that uh, you know, won't look at Alzheimer's as a finality here. It's right. not. Just out of curiosity, what, what brought you into this arena of, of care? What, what, what with Alzheimer's? Yeah. Well, I dealt with this, <clears throat> not me <laughs> personally, but uh, my mother-in-law uh, suffered with this for about 13 years, and we took care of her at home. Mm. Um, and usually that's the case. Somebody that's had that in their family, they've dealt with it. All of a sudden, they, you know, they want to get involved. But I've, I've been in the marketing and public relations field for 20 years, uh, but at 13 of those dealing with my mother-in-law. And seeing um, what she went through, what what other people have to go through, and I thought, you know, this is a, a marvelous opportunity to help hmm. help others. And of course, when I met the staff at Seasons, it's like, wow, these. I mean, the everybody there is there and dedicated to be there. It's marvelous. Yeah. I mean, did I say Seasons? You did. Yeah, okay, that's Pacifica okay. Senior that's Living. Okay, you didn't say McHenry <laughs> Avenue, so I'm proud yeah. of you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great staff, and and they love the folks. They love to love to take care of them. You, the, it is a calling, isn't it? I mean, yep. you, you I, have, I think you it have is. to have a passion yes. for this. Yeah, you to have to. It's not a job; it's right. a career. Yeah. yeah, you want a job? Go to a fast food restaurant for a few bucks. You want to? Right. You want something that's going to reward you and and last? Yeah, get involved. You have to have a heart oh, for yeah. these people, and and you communicate that yep. so well. And as you were sharing uh, with us how important, Bob, communication is. You were talking about the the importance of, of touch and how you mm-hmm. communicate with these people. Address that a little bit. Well, we, we could spend an hour talking about each aspect of, of caring for dementia. But if you learn to communicate with folks, that's probably the most, in my opinion, that's probably the most important thing to do because if you communicate properly, the other things can fall into place. Um, and touch is part of communication uh, somewhere, and I wish I could remember where. I don't have Alzheimer's, but I, I wish I could remember where. I read a report that said something like 43 times per day we need to be touched. Wow. Handshakes, little touch on the shoulder. And I'm thinking 43 times, holy mackerel, that's that's a lot uh, through every hour of the day, you know, so many times. Um, but it's important to touch, especially when folks get a little confused. Um, with Alzheimer's, a little touch on the shoulder as you're speaking to them. Uh, you'll see pictures of folks sometimes holding their hand. Uh, it's It's peaceful. It gives them a sense of secure mm-hmm. security. Someone really cares, mm-hmm. and it keep, helps keep them helps keep them focused a little bit on what you're saying. Yeah, they probably won't remember the next few minutes, but when you're touching someone and looking them in the eyes, and um, Elaine and I spoke about getting down at eye level. Yes. They may seem like trivial things. Mom's sitting in a chair, and you're standing up, looking down at her. Uh, do you want French fries, Mom, or mashed potatoes? And she can't figure out why you're looking down and who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. But if you get on their level, you you speak a little softer. 
and you look in their eyes, you touch their hand and say, Mom, mm-hmm. uh, wow, what a difference. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a powerful tool, communication. And if you can get that, it, the rest will be a little easier. It's never easy, but a little easier. We set the pace anyway, don't we, when we talk to people? Absolutely. They, if Elaine, if I came up to you and said, why don't you sit down? What are you standing up for? <laughs> well, are you going to respond very nicely to that, or sounds like I'm angry with you? I'm almost as tall as you are. Yeah. I'm standing up and you're sitting down. What's the difference? <laughs> you know, I'm seven foot five when I stand. Right? You believe that? No. <laughs> but if I if I gave you a warm invitation to sit down, you'd want to do that. Sure. So we set the tone in our communication. If you yell, you raise your voice. Um, you bark orders, those things are not going to get a good response. So I would imagine uh, a lot of your job is educating families on those little tiny things that that we probably don't even think of or or don't even cross our minds, really. Yeah, We we can't educate the person with Alzheimer's. And really, it's about us caring for them. So we're the ones, we, the families, are the ones that need to know what are we doing right and what are we doing that we, well, could, what could we improve on? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say what are we doing wrong, but what, what could we improve on? Your body language, your facial expressions. If I'm scowling at you, Ed, and, and uh, ask you a question, it, it, it appears like there's something wrong. But if I got a smile on my face and, you know, my eyes are kind of open, and uh, big difference. And especially with those that don't quite have it together mentally. With Alzheimer's, uh, non-demanding, non-threatening approach; uh, those those are powerful tools when it comes to communicating with someone. You bet. Yeah. Well, what a treat tonight as we visit with Bob Hopper, and we'll have more right after our song this week. It's from Mark Schultz. Get your tissue or Kleenex or puff or whatever <laughs> recommended on this one, friends. A wonderful love story to the end as he's walking walking her home on Lighthouse Live. Looking back, he sees it all It was her first date the night he came to call And her dad said, son, have her home on time You promise me you'll never leave her side He took her to a show in town he was ten feet off the ground as he was walking her home, holding her hand. Oh, the way she smiled, he stole the breath right out of him. Down that old road with the stars up above. He remembers where he was and that he fell in love. He was walking her said, come in and meet your son. And his knees went weak when he saw his wife. Well, she was smiling and she said, he's got your eyes. And as she slept, he held her tight. His mind went back to that first 
up to said it could be her last night And the nurse said, oh, should we tell him now? Or should he wait until the morning to find out? When they checked her room that night He was laying by her side He was walking her home Holding her hand All the way she smiled When he said this is not the end Just for a while They were 18 She was still more beautiful to him than Mark Schultz walking her home after 60 years on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Bob Hopper. I'll tell you what, that's a, I got my tissue ready. That's, that's a, <laughs> quite a song. You know, Bob talking about uh, Alzheimer's and uh, caring for the loved ones as you cared uh, for your mother in law, which uh, is kind of what you got. Uh, got you into this uh, in the first place. Uh, you were sharing a little bit during the song about uh, keeping someone home, caring for them at home versus putting them, uh, you know, in an assisted living situation. You want to kind of continue on with that? No? Yeah, that, that's an interesting, uh, interesting topic because we often think the best thing to do is to keep them at home. I, I kept, we kept my mother-in-law at home. And sometimes that is the best thing, and sometimes it's not. It's very difficult to know when to make a choice, when to make a move. And there's a lot of factors involved. And uh, I was I got to share the, briefly the story of a, a young man who promised his dad on his um, on his uh, deathbed that he'd take care of mom. So mom, um, they sold their home, moved mom into his house, and he and his wife. I won't share a name, but he and his wife were at such odds with one another. Mom was just making them pull their hair out, and she didn't want to do anything but lay on a couch, and the kids were arguing with Grandma, fighting with each other. The family was falling apart, and um, they came uh, to me one day. They were ready to get a divorce, and he said, I can't do this anymore, and he was crying. He's just beside himself. So we talked a little bit about communication, and, and I gave him some pointers to try with his mom uh, to help her respond a little better. It didn't work, and the family was absolutely set for divorce, and it was just a mess. And, and I talked to him about coming into Pacifica. At the time, it was Seasons at Modesto. And he said, well, I promised my dad I'd take care of my mom. I can't do that. I mean, I can't mm. move her. I have to let her stay at home. So I gave him an illustration of, uh, of our children when they have appendicitis. and you, you have to provide what's best. So you put them on a little gurney, and they're 
you know, we, being wheeled down into the into the operating room, and you, and you're crying, right? I mean, you just—it's a mess because you know how how bad that's going to be. But it—it's the best for them. They have to get that appendix out, so you do it for their safety and their health and your well-being. And I used that illustration with him, and I said, "Are you taking care of your mom?" And he said, no, and he's crying. You know, <laughs> I felt so bad for him. I said, but you promised your dad. He said, I know, and he's just in tears. I said, don't you think you need to do the best thing for her? And he said, yes. I said, come on down, take a look. <laughs> Let's talk. And so we talked for a couple of hours, and he came through. He saw what some of the other folks were going through and how happy they were living here at Pacifica. So he moved her in, and, oh, my goodness, what a difference. Mm. She's happy. He's happy. No divorce. <laughs> the kids come in smiling. I mean, that's a real success story. Great. That's marvelous. Well, it seems like we're dealing with, with poles here. On, on on one extreme, we have an, an, uh, our Energizer bunny, John, yes. over there, uh, out there in the field has seen this a lot, families that abandon their parents and grandparents and and they're left alone they have they have no resources they're really trying to fend for themselves and here you have a situation where nobody's helping and then you have the other extreme it seems where sometimes they, they feel guilty they promised dad or they just feel that responsibility we you know we, we've got to keep mom or dad or grandpa or grandma at home and uh, they'll and they'll fall on the sword you know for that and neither one of those are, are healthy, so there's a happy in-between there um, somewhere. And and I, I guess one of my, my questions to you is, how do people know when they're reaching the point when they are no longer able to provide that best care? Is How do you prepare them for that, and, and what are some of the, the signals that people should pick up on? Well, that's a good, good question. Mm-hmm. I wish everyone would ask that question. <laughs> Oh, they could write in and ask that question. We'll answer <laughs> yeah, it for them. Right. Um, you know, it's it's about the caregiver too, and and you can't forget that. Uh, and that that is that story I, I shared with you, a true story, uh, is a is a great example of when it's too late. I mean, what good would it do to keep mom at home and divorce, and now you've got all these other issues? Who's going to care for mom? Um, that's an extreme. But uh, we need to really think about ourselves. Yeah, we want to care for the family member, someone with Alzheimer's. But if we're if we're tired, and we see ourselves not caring for ourselves the way we need to, yes. it's time to get some help. Don't wait until it's too late. If you're irritable, if you find that you don't sleep well, um, and and often <laughs> often you're up because they're up. Right, so your lack of sleep can wear on you too. Uh, there's, there's, those are real good signs that it's time to start talking. Doesn't mean you have to move, but there's, it's time to start talking about what, what can I do? Where can I get some help? Um, if you can't take care of necessary, sometimes it's difficult to go grocery shopping mm. because you, you can't leave mom or dad alone, or you take them with you and then they get lost in a supermarket. Uh-huh. Those, those things are not normal things. And when that begins to happen, it's time to think seriously about what to do. Now, in today's world, with the medical system the way it is and the economy the way it is and all of that, 
Uh, how do most people afford care? Is it through mm. insurance? Is it <clears throat> through, uh, um, you know, mom or dad who, who's now in whatever stage of Alzheimer's had the foresight to purchase a long-term care plan? What, what do you see happening out there as far as, you know, the financial aspect of, of entering into a care-type situation? Well, I, I would encourage everyone to think about those numbers that we talked about yeah. in the year 2025. That's 16 years from now, mm. right? 34 million people. Uh, long-term care insurance, and I, have, I don't sell long-term care insurance, <laughs> but it is such a marvelous tool mm. if you can afford it and work it out properly. Uh, it, most of these communities are private pay. So people have either had to plan for this, they have property, they've sold it, sold a home. Uh, uh, the kids often can help financially with mom, dad. They may have a little nest egg, <clears throat> not a whole lot of money, but a little bit, and so the kids can help support that. Um, yeah, it's it's time to think about the future. So kind of as a family, then plan. It's wonderful or, if that can happen. Yeah, because but that time is not too far off as we were. It's not, yeah. and it could be us. Um, it, mm. look, at the, look at the family life today. It's, it's not what it used to be, mm. and it should be. It could be, but a lot of kids just don't care for their folks financially or otherwise. But, uh, yeah, if you can build a good structure, a family structure, uh, have 20 kids, then you're pretty good. <laughs> you're pretty well <laughs> off. No, I'm just kidding. Don't have 20 kids. But, uh, yeah, insurance and property and little nest eggs, 401Ks, few retirements and things. And I would imagine uh, for you on the uh, supply side, I guess you could say, part of your job is to help them through that process of identifying ways to uh, to deal with yeah. uh, that aspect of it. And the Veterans Administration offers some assistance mm -hmm. for those who financially qualify if they're not real well off financially and they've served uh, the military then uh, yeah they can talk to the VA office and about what they call aid and attendance and it's a free service uh, the VA office will help you work through that and provide you know a substantial amount that can apply toward the cost of being in a community somewhere. Now, if someone is, has a parent or a grandparent and, and they're starting to notice maybe some personality changes, they're starting to notice forgetfulness, how do most people come into understanding a diagnosis? Is it through their doctor? Is it through outside resources? How, how, how do most people arrive at saying, wow, that's, that's it, that's, that's what we're dealing with? Uh, it's through the doctor, okay. <clears throat> usually. Uh, or they might attend a seminar on banking for the elderly or abuse for the elderly and all of a sudden things click yeah mom is forgetful mom. and yet you have to be family members have to be cautious with that my mother-in-law was so good at fooling everybody and i'm sure others are too i would walk in the door and i know she didn't know who i was so she'd say oh hi sweetie she never called me bob because she didn't know who i was but if I wasn't in tune with that, I wouldn't know that. No. I'd say, hi, Mom. She'd say, hi, sweetie. Uh, and they do that uh, or use other other expressions other than calling you by your name. Um, so look for those things. And, and uh, yeah, that, when you see those signs, it's time to start thinking about what are we going to do. Don't wait till the very last minute. And I would imagine uh, this is an industry that has got to grow. 
you know, giving those statistics, right? Uh, yes, it does. I'm afraid it has to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it's going to grow, I can't imagine. Uh, it could cost anywhere from a couple thousand dollars a month to five thousand dollars a month. To, and like cancer, they're working on a cure for yeah, it. Well, right, Bob? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've even developed a test, a blood test that indicates uh, whether or not you have a propensity toward this disease process doesn't mean you'll get it doesn't mean you already have it but you you might have a tendency toward it are there things people uh researchers shown that can help mitigate that are there activities that can help uh risk factors those are important to look at we always hear uh take care of yourself exercise and do we do we even think about this Uh, lower your cholesterol yeah, one of these days I'm going to stop eating all those potato chips, right? Uh, but those are risk factors. Uh, your age is a factor. We already went through some numbers with that. Uh, high cholesterol, your activity level, we should be exercising. And, uh, well, my, my wife will often ask me, are, are you through with dinner? And I'll move my head from the right to the left. There goes your exercise. No. no. Right? Do you want some more? And I shake my head up and down, okay. up and down. So that's daily exercise, right? But really, a more activity level than that. Uh, a blunt trauma to the head could trigger, doesn't mean it will, but it could trigger this disease process. Uh, diabetes, those who have diabetes may be at a higher risk. Uh, family history. So if you even suspect it, there's what they call mini mental tests. It's very difficult even for folks like us to do it, but uh, the doctors can uh, can give someone that test. Maybe mention five things at the beginning of their conversation, and then at the end of the conversation ask the person to repeat those five things. And I've mm-hmm. seen some get one out of five correct. They forget. But to talk to them, you'd swear there's nothing wrong because they call you sweetie or, you know, something, and everything looks normal. Um, so, you know, they can do that, and there's other tests that they can take. And what about, you? Know, we, we talked about television probably not being a real good way to, <laughs> to deal with things. Um, what type of mental exercises uh, will help? Uh, I mean, working puzzles, I mean, any type of mental activity is... That makes you think. Puzzles are good. Uh, Simple puzzles, if if they already have the disease, you don't want it too complicated and defeat. Right. They get them discouraged. Um, Music is a powerful tool Hmm. because they think with a different part of their brain and and it stimulates their thinking. Mm. Uh, our activity director is just fabulous. She's probably the best activity director I have ever seen. Mm, cool. And, and I've seen a lot here. She, uh, she will, <laughs> I have to tell you a little story about the gentleman's club. Yeah, uh, guys will often like to sit in a garage and drink beer and just kind of watch what's going on outside and talk. Well, <clears throat> we do something similar, uh, in that we don't drink beer, but we'll, we'll serve a little beverage of some kind. And she'll lead the conversation uh, and see where where it goes and what they'd like to talk about, just to get them get them thinking about things. She might be she might talk about, you know, one of those uh, what do they call them now? Those old cars named after a horse. 
and you know it it's got this front end it goes like you know and they you can watch their minds going yeah you know what i'm talking about right the mustang right or or this this ship this big ship that the ocean liner they built it was going to sail from new york it was wasn't going to sink it was impossible uh and it hit that iceberg and and to watch them while she's doing this, you can just see them. Mm. They're in her eyes and the way they're looking. They're trying to think of the name of that, and somebody will yell it out. And those are marvelous mental exercises. Awesome. And if we do that, even with our families at home, don't tell them the answer. Make them work for it. Mm. You Exercise. Know, there's, the, there's the issue of, of dignity also, Bob. And, and you shared a story about a lady that walked into a doctor's office. Can you share that? Oh, yeah. That really got to me. Well, <clears throat> she has Alzheimer's. And when you think of someone with Alzheimer's, you think, well, that, what's, what's the difference? They're going to forget in five minutes anyway, right? So <clears throat> this story, it's a true story that really happened, uh, <clears throat> that she went to the doctor's office and uh, our bus driver and uh, one of our caregivers went with her to take her to the doctor. So they, they get in the doctor's office, and they're sitting around the end, the, the front of the doctor's table, the desk, and the doctor comes in with his folder, or with her folder, actually, sits at the table, looks at the folder, opens it up, and says, So, how's she doing? Mm. Uh, do you see anything wrong with this picture already? She's sitting in front of, let's call her Mary. I think I, that's not her real name, but Mary's sitting in the middle. The, the lady that was driving was sitting on the one side and the caregiver on the other. So the doctor said, how's she doing? And someone said, okay, well, is she eating well? And there was no answer. And so finally this, one of, one of our coworkers said, uh, excuse me, doctor, excuse me. Do you know what, uh, Mary would like? So the doctor kind of lowered his glasses, and he looked up at her, and she said, she would like it if you came into the room and acknowledged her presence. Mm. How about saying, hello, Mary, how are you? And ask her those questions. We don't need to answer that. And his response, he took his glasses off and looked at her, and he said, well, then I guess that means I have to say goodbye when we're done, don't I? (laughs) That's what he said. Wow. So, needless to say, things went downhill from there. But when, when I, I was just appalled when I heard this. Um, when they left, now we we will transport them to their doctor's office. So that's what we did, and that's why those other two coworkers were with her. When they left, they got in, you know, walked down the ele- got down the elevator, walked out to the little bus that we have, and on the way back, we're probably looking at maybe fifteen minutes from the time this happened to the time they got in the bus and they're driving back to our company, Pacifica Senior Living. So the bus driver looks at uh, Mary and says, So, Mary, how did it go? Mm. And Mary, now this is 15, 20 minutes beyond the time that it happened, and you would think someone with Alzheimer's would forget. And she said, Well, that didn't go very well. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And uh, so they got back to the uh, to the building. Probably two hours or so go by, and Mary wrote this letter. <clears throat> and uh, 
we sent it to the doctor. It probably didn't make any difference. But Mary said, and she wrote it on this this uh, piece of paper that says things to do. So apparently she likes to write stuff, right, what she wants to do this day. Anyway, she wrote it on here, and it says, To whom it may concern, Alzheimer's disease is not forever. And then she underlined these, this next sentence. She said, We remember, we think, and we make good choices for the things we wish to do. And then she said, we learn how to do as many tasks as we always have done. We are still creative and alive. Do not belittle us. Mm. And she signed it. Isn't that amazing? Mm. That that Mm. gets me the second time I I heard it. So don't think that just because they have Alzheimer's. In fact, doctors have said, oh, what's the difference? They're going to forget in five minutes anyway. More than two hours went by, and she wrote this to the doctor. And I attribute that. Again, it's communication, right? But I attribute that to the fact that it was a a big thing in her life. It could have been a positive thing. Right. Yeah. She could have wrote something really nice, <clears throat> but it was negative. So don't think that the way you communicate with someone doesn't make a difference. Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. And the better you get at it, the more you do it the easier the other things are going to be, whether you have to help them in the shower. If you can't communicate, they're not going to want to do this with you. Right. So you have to be creative. You have to learn to deal. Can I just share one more yeah. experience? We've got a couple minutes left. Okay. This hour's going by so quickly. I, I can't believe that. Oh, well, yeah. this uh, there was a man, uh, they called him Cowboy, because uh, he was a cowboy, but that was his nickname, Cowboy who did not want to take his medications. Now, at home, I could just see someone arguing, take him, take him, you need him, right? Comes into a community, would not take his medications. Well, the more they talked to this cowboy, the more they found out he used to like to sit at the bar and drink shots of whiskey right? when he was younger. So here they were being creative. They put his medications his pills in a shot glass and gave him a water back, right? And said, okay, cowboy. And he dropped those pills like they were whiskey and then drank it down with an extra shot of water. How creative. And now he's a happy camper, doing well. Awesome. Bob, unfortunately, we're bumping the clock. Got about two minutes left. People probably have questions and probably would like to take advantage of a lot of the information that you have. How can people get a hold of you and what resources can you provide them? Well, you know what? I I put this book together, just a little book. It's a booklet, really, on uh, different aspects of Alzheimer's. And if if anyone's interested in it, I'd be happy to send it to them. Just give them some pointers. Uh, They can reach me on my cell phone at uh, 209-534-6088 or the main office at 209-491-0800 or write They could write me to 2325 St. Paul's Way, Modesto, California, (laughs) off Oakdale Road. Right. (laughs) Right. Modesto, California, 95355. And the name of the company, again, is Pacifica Senior Living. I'll be happy to send them this booklet. And uh, And what's the name of the booklet? uh, It's called The uh, Unraveling the Mystery of Alzheimer's and Other Forms of Dementia. Wow. That's a long one. Once again, friends, if you want Bob, direct to talk to Bob. It's 
6088. Uh, the office number 209-491-0800. And the address again, 2325. That's 2325 St. Paul's Way, Modesto, California, 95355. <laughs> Just erase McHenry from your mind totally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 2325 St. Paul's Way, Modesto, California, 95355. Great booklet, and uh, Bob would be happy to yeah. send that to you. Thank Bob, you. can people ever tour the facilities? Oh, absolutely. All I welcome right. that anytime. They can stop in. They can call me, and I'll make sure I'm there to give them a tour. Uh, and if they have any questions, just call me anytime. All right. Well, we thank you so much for carving out this time with us today. It's been so informative and uh, Hope that uh, you'll come back and join us again sometime. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. God bless you. Thank, thank you. you, dear friends, for listening wherever you are. May God continue to bless you as you reach out and love your neighbors as you love yourselves.